0: It's a good question. Thanks, everybody, for joining us at this special at-home edition of the Swedenborg Q&A show, where we all gather together to talk about love and truth and all the implications of that as they echo out throughout life. I am your host, Kirst Childs, and I'm very excited to have a really great panel here with me to, to tackle the, the deeper issues of life. Everybody say hi. hi.
1: Hello, everybody. Hi.
0: <laughs> and thanks. To, what's that? Welcome to everybody. This is good practice because here we are doing like a five person Q&A show on Zoom. So there's going to be some of the, Oh, did you, what are you, what are, did you say that for And that's great. We don't, we love that at home. So you don't have to feel bad for us if we're trying to sort out who's talking when <laughs> and um, you all should be talking because it's in the chat that we get all the questions we're about to answer are entered by you live tonight. So please do so. That is what, you know, lets us have this show in the first place. And while you're here, if you want to make what we're doing possible, we would really be honored if you would support us with a donation. You, all you have to do is go to otle.cosvox.com. The link is in the description. You just click that little see more, and it's right there. And if you donate during the show, two things will happen. One, you'll get a thank you from the thank you sign made by my daughter. And then you'll know you've contributed towards we have a goal of $100. And if we reach it, we'll give you an extra 15 minutes of pure gold Q&A, OTLE <laughs> style. Somebody already donated 10 before the show started. So we are moving on up. We'd love to have you be a part of that. Just go to OTLE.causevox.com. Make your donation today. Okay, thanks, everybody. Let's get in and see what our first question is. This first one is by Bonnie Bauer, who asks, is it prideful to be proud of your own accomplishments? The black dog in Swedenborg's dream diary. It that it was the sort of the nemesis of the the heavenly mindset is this, as he describes it, pride and and viewing of yourself as superior to other people. But what about if you do something cool? Are we supposed to walk around with a a, a dejected state of mind? Oh, that was nothing. To, what's what's the right way to? To feel because it does seem like it energizes you to be glad about what you did and you know Is God trying to take that away? How do we approach? This thing so Karen, do you want to open us up on this?
1: Yeah, the first thing that comes to my mind is the the word feeling proud can go two different directions for me it can either go in a sort of dark direction which has to do with feeling superior over others and wanting a lot of accolades and um, Would be very sensitive if somebody didn't you know, like uh, look favorably upon my um, Accomplishment, but then it can go another direction which I could say like is being feeling pleased by an accomplishment That just has kind of a joy to it Which just feels so good when when something you've done something and it's worked out and it's making a positive difference and I feel like that can have um, some innocence in it and can still have tons of room for knowing that the Lord does everything good, but you can just feel happy that that came through you. And there's an innocence like a little child just feeling so happy having accomplished something. And so I think it can go two different directions and the one is perfectly good and fine and the Lord would feel really happy about that like you would with your little child just to finally accomplish something. (laughs) And you say, yeah, that's awesome. Um, or I can go a negative direction that puts, compares you to others and wants to be superior.
0: Um, that's great. And th- th- you mentioned little child in there because you would think if Swedenborg is describing, look, you've got to get rid of your love of self over others and, and give the Lord credit for things. So you'd think you would teach kids, well, you may think you climbed that tree, but the Lord was really the one who gave you the strength to climb that tree. But in one passage, Swedenborg says it's good to have kids be proud of the things they did because that leads to them um, giving uh, the Lord credit when they're older. So it's not always intuitive there. And I definitely think you're hitting on something with this. Like there's a, a good, the, the joy in something good happening is what heaven is. So you can't throw that out with the idea of not doing the pride thing. Yeah, Cara, what do you what do you think?
2: Well, I'm thinking that um, the Lord created us all with individual gifts and sort of unique abilities. And in about when I turned about 40, I realized that by not just taking joy in these loves that I had, I didn't sign up for these loves. They were just planted in me. That's obviously the Lord's doing. And by not sort of acting on them in one way or another, it's kind of like snubbing the Lord like, you know, like, okay, so you think I should love these things. But you know, I don't want to show off or anything like that. I mean, to, there's something about just giving, just knowing that the Lord created that love in you, and He wants you to feel that kind of fulfillment and joy that comes with um, whatever it is, carrying it out and putting it in life somehow. Mm-hmm. So it's like a blessing, and you just uh, yeah, the the contrast between giving it to the Lord and owning the all the like for yourself yeah <laughs> right That's
0: it. The, like i'm so glad that happened it seems like it's a definitely a core of mm. what heaven is and that it's not that self that you have to get rid of self it's just put it don't have it running the show so i think you probably even angels have a baseline of like i'm so glad i got to participate in that you know but But at the same time, it gives them more joy to think of, like, this builds up, rather than my picture of myself, this is building up my picture of how great the Lord is and how much I love the Lord, which is really good news because the Lord accesses everyone and plans the future for everything. So it's actually even better that the Lord is awesome than we are awesome because the Lord plays a bigger role in everyone's life. Okay, that's a great one. Hey, let's let's move on to our next question here. This is from uh, Jenny Zhang, who asks... I really wish to know the panel's take on how to connect with God in this isolating time. Mm -hmm. And so for those uh, happy travelers who watch us a few years from now, yeah, right now we're having the worldwide COVID-19 pandemic. This is why we're all in our own homes doing this show. And a lot of the stuff that maybe we found connection and community and the kind of stuff like Swedenborg describes heaven being, which is this union among many, it's a little different now. You You can't go close to people. You can't shake their hands. So how do we find God when that's going on and with the the, the grim picture of life that, that seems to be around us? I, I, yeah, I would be interested as well to hear anybody's take. Um,
3: does anybody have something? <laughs> Jonathan, you want to go first? Sure. Um, I, I think um, it is a little bit harder uh, when you can't, see people and interact with them face to face. There's something, you know, where two or three are gathered together in my name. You know, uh, Jesus says, you know, there am I in the midst of them, but um, uh, contact with others as we're having right now, even though we're all sort of, you know, physically isolated uh, can get that going. And I also find that it's very precious to have some time for reading and reflection I do it first thing in, in the morning, but you can do it at different times. And um, I find that helps because something about the the Bible, I read the Bible and I'll read some Swedenborg. And the fact that that stuff is hundreds to thousands of years old kind of lends some perspective or something and, and it's sort of a timeless thing. So that helps me feel more connected to the order that lies underneath all of this, you know, uh, pretty crazy, Stuff that's going on on the surface here.
0: Yeah, that's. I love that idea of the perspective and, and what what comes and goes and what is uh, forever. Kelsey, what do you think?
4: Oh me? Um, well, the only the main thing that comes to my mind or what's been helping me with connecting um, is really just uh, becoming aware of the natural world around me. So just like, I mean, in the part of the world that I'm in, it's springtime and, um, but you know, even just paying attention to the clouds or the, you know, spending some time outside or noticing plants that are growing and, um, paying attention to birds. I do, I do think this sort of, I mean, I, I just, for myself, it's a commitment for me to just go get outside every day, um, and just spend some time, um, outside walking or, or even just being outside in the elements, whatever they are. And there's something about grounding yourself just in the present moment that I think, um, really uh, o- opens up some sense of the presence of the divine that's here all the time, even though things can seem so uncertain.
0: I love that. That's great. Um, I, um, oh, Garn, did you want to say something?
1: Well, if you had something to say, I just had something to add. I really agree with uh, just having time to read and reflect to just be reminded of um, the eternal picture which you can do by reading scripture or Swedenborg or whatever your faith tradition has. And yeah, absolutely being in nature is feels so great and is such a reminder. And also I just feel like another way to be in the present moment, which is a a great way to connect with God is just this, the concept of usefulness, just in some way, if if you still have a job to just do your job and know that's making a positive impact on the world in some way. And if you're unable to do your job, just finding some way to reach out to somebody, whether it's remotely or um, practically, you know, helping someone with an errand or just working on fixing up your house or your yard, you know, just something that is productive is um, really grounding and keeps you in the moment. And that's where the Lord is. It's it's always in, in the present, <laughs> you know, where where you can find that presence.
0: That's great. And I, it's a great a point I didn't even think of that, yeah, we a lot of us can't do our jobs right now, and this is this central, in some ways, connection to God is through usefulness. God created the universal so usefulness would exist. Swedenborg says that. So, yeah, how do you work around that and find new areas of, uh, of meaning? Uh, I want to pause this for a second and say thank you.
2: <laughs>
0: we got a donation from Andrew, and this donation, we're already like way in the danger zone, guys. But-
2: <laughs> We're wow. up to
0: eighty-five percent of our goal for fifteen more minutes. So you guys do your mouth stretches. We may be here. We'll <laughs> see. We'll see. Okay. Thank
1: you. Thank you. All right.
0: So uh, we will we will check back in with that. I want to say that at the beginning, cl- closer to the beginning of the lockdown, I was doing, um, got to be interviewed on a radio program called "You Are What You Love" with Washali. and she's she's a big Swedenborg fan, and we were talking about, you hey, know, what do you do in times like this? Because I've definitely off and on st- struggled with concern about the future. Um, what, you know, every, so every few, every week or so I start getting allergies and I think, okay, I've got it. And you know, I'm, I'm going to be sick. Se- I'm sick. And what's that going to mean? And what, so, uh, I've really had to there test the limits of my ability to trust that the Lord is, is guiding life. But at the same time, it does force you to, to go to your tools that I find that, again, even in these, uh, these circumstances, it's, it really is the concepts in Swedenborg, the, the world that that describes. that's the only thing that can give you sort of hope and consolation because you can't control, it's so out of control what's going on out there. There's only very limited things you can do and you don't know how it's going to pan out. So I've certainly found this is a great time to really work your spiritual truths and, and a great time to learn, you know, how far you still have to go. Um, but so let's, have, let's go to the next question. Thanks so much. This one is from hippie Jim loose who asks, does Emmanuel Swedenborg offer any advice on how to quell or temper legitimate anger at evil people whom, well, I don't think I need to explain given present events. So people can be feeling frustration. What do you, yeah. Or if you're an angel, if you've got an angel mind in you, are you just, let's let this person do this bad thing. Let's let, let that person do that bad thing. Is that what it is to be heavenly? So uh, yeah, I'd love to hear some thoughts on this. What do you do when people are doing things that, that seem to be really causing harm and, and you start feeling angry? Karin, yeah, you want to start?
1: So I'll start us off to say in our show called Rediscovering Forgiveness, um, we discussed how, and this helps me to remember that really, um, Anger, um, I find it to be a trap that makes me less able to cope. Um, And you know, I'll just speak for myself. But um, it will bring me misery that doesn't change anything um, about what I might be frustrated about. And so, if um, the in the forgiveness show, we talked about how forgiveness, which just means letting go. Of anger or the need to get back at somebody for something, um, because every every if if anyone who puts out negative um, actions, there's going to be a consequence eventually. So it's not something I need to make happen or worry about. You know, like there's a big system, and yeah, we can get frustrated in this world because it can seem like um, negative intentions can, or or uh, negligence, or whatever, um, could uh, you know, win for a while, but it's always temporary. It just always helps me to remember that um, God is using everything that happens to bring good eventually in the end. And if I can um, not get caught up in anger, I feel like I'm more clear-headed to think. Well, what can I do in this situation? And um, you know, what uh, given this situation. And if my, my anger won't change anything, um, what can I do? And I just find uh, trying to let go of anger, it just helps me find better, um, more practical things that I could do to help.
3: That's great advice. Yeah, Jonathan. Uh, Swedenborg talks about the difference between zeal and anger or different, different words that he uses. And um, if, you, if you're in a position to reflect, uh you can see from things that have gone through your own spirit i think that there are some feelings that are like really hateful wanting to destroy that person wanting revenge you know all those kind of things but there can be something that Swedenborg says looks exactly like it on the outside which is a you know uh i mean i think of jesus i just read the other day of jesus going into the Temple and driving out the money changers turning over all the tables and creating a whip and you know, it looks pretty enraged And yet it says zeal for your house has consumed me uh, you know, he he was concerned about a certain order that was being violated And as soon as that's orders put back, he he doesn't hate anybody. He's not trying to destroy anybody. Just trying to restore an order and um so, uh, but the thing is as Swedenborg says on the outside, they look the same. And to your lower self, I think they feel pretty much the same. At that moment, you just sort of feel hot and like something has to change or somebody's got to do something. Um, so it's kind of a difficult one. I do try to practice, and I find it one of the hardest spiritual practices, to pray for others who you know I feel persecuted by or something like that. And um, that's, that's really hard. Uh, I've sometimes laughed about, you know, like shouting at people, um, uh, like just in my car with the windows rolled up, but shouting, I, I hope you go to the highest heaven, you know, at somebody <laughs> who's cut me off, you know, and, uh, but sometimes that starts the thought of like, well, I actually do want wish well for them, you know, and, um, uh, but it, it's a difficult one. It's a really difficult one, especially because I think they say that you can, you can get you can become angry faster than your mind can realize you're angry. You know, like sometimes it just, you have flash and, well, I I didn't even know I was that angry or or something. And so it can be very difficult one. Um, But that's what I think the importance of when you're not in the moment to, to pray, to, to try to stand back as Karin was saying and evaluate, think of a, of an approach and, and something that would, set the situation right uh, without coming from a hateful or destructive uh, part of yourself.
0: That's great. I I really like that. And uh, I have an announcement. I just got a bell or something like that. Ding, ding, ding. Thank you. Thank you to Todd for supporting us. Uh, We know that this is a difficult time uh, to, to support things financially and that a lot of nonprofits are having a hard time. So thank you so much for being able and willing even in these circumstances to give with that donation, we've hit our goal Thank
1: you
4: we will
0: be We will be giving fifteen more minutes here. We're actually like I had to go on to the back we're we're way way <laughs> way uh many many percentages over our goal, and we're happy to give fifteen minutes. We love doing that, and it's really just a token because. All the money that you give goes, we put right into the machine that makes this programming possible and, and helps us accomplish our larger mission of taking all this stuff and bringing it out to the world because we see the good it's doing in our own lives. We see, hear the, from all of you the good it's doing in your lives. We want everyone to have the option for that. So even though we've hit our goal, you can still go to otle.causvox.com, link in the description, and every dollar you give, we're going to put the good use. So, So if you can support, do it. And thank you so much to everybody who has been. Okay, so we're talking about anger. Uh, yeah, Cara,
2: I wanted to talk about the concept of zeal as well, um, which Swedenborg describes as, uh, the feeling of wanting to protect something that you love very deeply. So if you look at it that way, um, you know, it's not an evil feeling, but you still have to figure out how to manage it. Um. Another thought I had was the that thing about resentment. Um, sure, you can haul around 2,000 pounds behind you for the rest of your life about whatever it is that you resent, or you can let it go and trust that somehow God is has his finger on the pulse of all this. Uh, and the other thought I had, which does not satisfyingly answer the question, but Swedenborg really makes a big deal about how we are not that we cannot make spiritual judgments of other people it sure feels like we can sometimes but he's <laughs> that it's not our business what it, what we see is not always the whole story and so trying to hold on to some thread of that no matter how frustrating it might feel um that to me it's just more practice and letting go and letting god like I don't get it Lord, but I hope that you've got you've got things taken care of.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: It's a great mantra uh, to remember and um, I definitely find myself struggling with this because it's very easy for me to feel like this person is doing this and they're getting away with it and it's not right and I don't care about good being good because this is the, preventing evil is good. And something that's been helpful to me is, sweden talks about angels actually not really not wanting to get revenge on people and specifically because they know that evil carries its own punishment with it to me the the thing that really does quell some of that is the idea that with the chess that divine providence is playing all evil is actually working against itself like everything that somebody does that is harmful and evil in the end promotes the good of all so it, you know, we talks about evil spirits who who learn that God is actually using their negative efforts to prepare some people and, and strengthen some people and actually bring some evils to light. And so, actually, in the end, even though there's pain involved, the net result is that good is done. The human race gets to a better place, and the evil spirits are very indignant about that. So, to me, if I know that, as part of it is nobody's protecting these good people that are getting hurt. That's what gets gets me really going. Uh, but to think that providence it It's a test for me of how much do I really think Providence is pulling the strings, and sometimes I can believe it, and sometimes it's a little it's a little beyond uh, for me uh Chelsea, did you want to weigh in on this?
4: um yeah, I feel like it i it really is so up in the air for me, um and there's so many different ways to think about it but um one a couple of thoughts like for me, the first like well, I guess what I feel called to say like, right now anyway is that like I do think that there's um, like when you're feeling anger, you can pay attention to the anger. And then um, especially if it's like you say, a legitimate one um, against some kind of wrongdoing, then like one way that Swedenborg describes, he says that people uh, or that the Lord inspires like the, the compassion that we feel for other people. And so often if you're angry about a situation, it's because you feel this compassion for the people that are suffering um, at whatever the evil is that's going on. And um we can feel so powerless, but I do trust like what Curtis is saying that the Lord is working through all of us all the time to inspire us to do something. But so often in my position, like I'm not, you know, I'm not born in the life to be a diplomat or like
0: some sort of like
4: I'm not in politics or I'm not this or that. Like I we're all just in wherever, wherever we are in life, but there's something um You know, so when I when I feel sort of like overcome with, you know, frustration at at like, you know, corrupt organizations or different things like that, where it feels like, you know, what this anger isn't doing any good, but I know it's coming from a genuine place, then it's like, what is one good thing that most likely is on a very small scale that isn't necessarily going to translate into grand you know, changes in society, but it's an expression of the love that is in me, you know, so if it's just one, one version of, you know, I'm not going to be going and, you know, I don't know, like fighting the great dragon or something, but I can be planting these seeds in my garden or something, you know what I mean? Like I just, there's, Mm. and I can trust that the Lord is going to be, um, leading that, you know, having that have impact, um, in wider circles. And, and if, and if I am meant to be, you know, on the front lines in any of these situations, then, then like, you know, just a continual relationship with the Lord in terms of praying and having, you know, praying for that insight to recognize the opportunities when they do present, you know, are presented that you can do a positive action in, in that direction. But it's definitely um, an ongoing thing to navigate.
0: <laughs> it's so important to address that because I think it can compound things when you feel like there's nothing you can do to contribute to the situation. So you s- noting there that whatever good actions we're taking can be for the sake of goodness as a whole, you know, and that that, that can make us feel connected wherever we are. I think is really important. Thanks, everybody. Uh, ding, 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 ding. Thank you.
4: <laughs>
0: this is from Jenny. Who answered uh, their question, and I'm oh, nice. pronouncing the name terribly, so I'm sorry. But uh, thank you so much. With that donation, we are uh, way, way, way above our goal. So <laughs> thank you so much, everybody. We really appreciate it, and we look forward very much to those 15 minutes, and and especially because those 15 minutes mean that that y'all like what we're doing and that you you care about it, and and but. That's not, that doesn't mean we're about to skip over these next few minutes. These are going to be some great minutes, and we're going to launch into it with a question that probably is on a lot of people's minds if they're digging into the Swedenborg thing. This is from Pete Dawson. He says, this is, it may have already been asked, but what is the spiritual correspondence to COVID-19? What's going, wh- what meaning does it have? And I'd love to, if anyone has, uh, just a primer on what is correspondence in the first place, if we're talking about that. But I would love to hear all of your thoughts on Jonathan, do you wanna lead off?
3: Sure, Uh, correspondence is the idea that uh, things in this physical world actually originate from things in the spiritual world and those are living substantial things in the spiritual world and they manifest down here as these concrete substances and so on. So uh, just the way that a good feeling in your heart will manifest as a smile on your physical face that's a that's a correspondence, you know, of something that's actually non-material. That feeling, that you have. Um, uh, so it's a it's a big thing that Swedenborg thinks a lot about. And I've just had a couple of thoughts about this. That um, I think that that COVID nineteen, you know, Swedenborg doesn't says very little about it, surprisingly. But um, but I think what it might be is some sort of new virulent falsity. Some Type of false teaching. And the reason I say that is that, first of all, it occurred to me that its behavior is like the Amalekites in the Old Testament, which is that they would prey on the the weak and the elderly and so on of of the children of Israel. You know, people who are strong, there wasn't much they could do about it, but they pick off the hindermost and, you know, and the Amalekites correspond to this kind of virulent falsity. And, um, also, the fact that it attacks the lungs means that it has something to do with the mind rather than the heart. You know, it's very much a lung situation. I'm fascinated that several people have reported that it causes hallucinations, uh, which also will have to be like the mind is is disordered and disoriented and all that kind of stuff, which is what um, a really bad teaching, a bad falsity can, can do. And it's... Um, divisive isn't it like the effect on us all has been to try to keep away from each other and so on so i i don't know what falsity what bad bad teaching you know it's pretty easy with Swedenborg because there's only four boxes you know so which which of these four boxes is it but um meaning you know is it is it truth or love or is it falsity or evil and and i think it's some really malevolent uh, falsity uh because of the way that it just can just shred your lungs and uh, so quickly when you're vulnerable. So those are some thoughts. Absolutely,
0: and something that it seems like is a perennial disclaimer we have to give is it doesn't mean that the COVID has anything to do with whether or not you think something false. But what yeah. correspondence is, if I had to try to re-summarize it, is the same role that, like, disease like COVID, plays on earth, the same effects it has on earth with physical bodies, there's something in the spirit or mind that can do the same thing to our spirits. And I don't know how the the linkages between the two, who knows, like there's so much complexity there. But yeah, I love your point, Jonathan, that just like something here can destroy our lungs and our ability to breathe, there are certain things that destroy our ability to understand, certain concepts or, or falsities that destroy our ability to understand. And it really did get me thinking that how it's physically, we have to be so careful of what's inside each other now. So that I think about it, there's probably bad ideas that can spread in the same sort of way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So are, does anyone else want to weigh in on the, uh, the uh, us totally conjecturing about COVID-19 well, because of course Swedenborg doesn't mention it. Yeah. Chelsea.
4: Yeah. Just like just thinking about, it, cause I do think it is useful to like, like what's the use of thinking about the correspondence of COVID-19 isn't sort of like, well, if we figure out what it corresponds to, we could like do something to make it go away. You know, like, I don't think that's going to happen or, you know, like you say, make sort of spiritual judgments about what's physically occurring on the planet right now, but it can be an opportunity to use just whatever's happening because whatever's happening ever is an opportunity for us to, you know, reflect spiritually. Um, And so in that vein, I feel like, Yes. What came to my mind was just how, uh, like it's so easily. It's very, very contagious, and it travels so, um, quickly, uh, that, um, like in thinking about that, the way that we all, you know, you want to wear a mask when you're out in public, um, and that's not for it's not to protect you from other people, but it's so that you are protecting other people from a virus that you might have that you don't realize you have yet. And so there's sort of this inherent like humility sort of in that, that is like, I may be, you know, if you think about it spiritually, like what sort of falsity might be active in me that that I might be unwittingly passing on to other people, you know, what what sort of things can I do to protect against that? You know, it just anyway, I mean, people literally talk about like, well, when I talk, I don't have a filter, you know, or I need a da-da-da, anyway, so sort of that sort of reflection of like, um, uh, that, that's like a tangent on the COVID-19 is sort of, isn't that interesting that that exists, that we can have false, false ideas that, um, that maybe we could pay a little more attention to or have a little more humility in terms of, how are, how are these ideas I'm spreading? How, might, how, are they, how could they be impacting other people or something?
0: Yeah, that's great. It makes me think of I've definitely drawn parallels with, with what you're mentioning. Oh, I, I might have it. That That's something that I don't know. It's, it's something about the experience of this whole thing that it's not just ooh, somebody else out there might have it and they might be sick and not telling me. I could have it and not know. And so I have to protect other people for myself because there is this Idea in Swedenborg that we all have uh, some hell in us that we that we have to regenerate and and protect our you know ourselves and others from. So it does seem like there's a bit of a link to not just be looking out at other people like what's wrong with them, but looking at myself and saying I'm I'm going to take these actions to protect everyone by by making sure that I'm taking precautions to not spread what's harmful. So I've sometimes almost felt a little energized by the idea of like. I'm going to try to be a good citizen as much as I can. Karen, do you want to weigh in?
1: Yeah, you're making me think about just the concept that false ideas can be so contagious. And we, um, if you ever heard, heard that thing of like, if you're about to say something, blurt something out, uh, then is it kind? Is it true? Is it useful? You know, like, what am I spreading rumors about? Or, you know, what am I saying? What am I complaining about? Is it is this truth (laughs) or is this, you know, um, or is this just something I'm venting and it's not kind, true or useful and how contagious it can be. And that's just fascinating to think about this. And also the other thing I think about is that I I think this is unprecedented. Certainly there's been epidemics all throughout history and pandemics, but to have this be so worldwide and us all uh, aware of each other so much around the world, Is Such a picture of how we're all in this together and that I think hell wants to spin it to That we have to watch out for each other, you know, like each other are the enemy but really it's like we are all the enemy is (laughs) The disease and the enemy is falsity and we are all in this together we are each called to try to do what we can to not spread this disease and do what we can to not spread falsity and instead spread the opposite, you know, spread kindness and spread health or however you want to, or, you know, help, help to each other.
4: Yeah. And that just like makes me think of, um, you know, uh, the, the main example that that brought to my mind was like, the times when I'm on social media and I'm considering do I want to make a comment right now like do I want to share this thing or do I want to like just thinking about how we're living in an unprecedented time of sharing information um through Twitter feeds and social media channels you know Facebook and stuff and and so sort of that that can just is happening at lightning speed and so the kind of like wait a second can I take a moment and really think is this what good is this doing you know in the world like you're saying kind, kind true or useful is this, this, this has real impact. If I just share this little internet, something, you know to re- recognize there's an impact there. And, and is that a choice that we want to make or not? You know,
3: and, and, and Curtis, no. yeah, go ahead. If I can just uh, underscore something you said uh, already, but that um, well
0: then yes, go ahead for sure.
3: Swedenborg <laughs> explains that uh, this world has its own cause and effect in it. It's a whole world of, you know, cause and effect here. And so the reason somebody gets it or somebody else doesn't get it or that's mild for one person and worse for another person has nothing uh, to do with the condition of their spirit. You can't judge about somebody else's spirit because of the physical problems that they go through. Um, it's just that a body that is weakened or older or has some pre-existing condition or whatever will be more susceptible because of physical cause and effect and that in the spiritual world that same kind of cause and effect you know if you're spiritually weak then you're more susceptible to an idea whereas if you have a a, a more um, robust sense of what's true you can reject you know so no, I, I mean, it sounds good, but no, 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 that that doesn't square with God's love or, or something. That's and great. you can reject ideas more more readily.
0: Right, right. Hey, everybody. Bing, 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 bing. What? Thank you. I want to say thanks to Angela. And then I want to say thanks to Pete for your <laughs> donations and helping us do what we're doing. We've got... we hit our goal we went around to the back now we're back up this side here (laughs) thank
2: you so much everybody we really
0: appreciate it that's that's awesome thanks for making this possible and if you want to support and you haven't already otle.causevox.com thank you so much i want to say to chelsea your point about the sharing of the memes and things does make you think you don't always know if what you're putting out there is is helpful or harmful just like we don't always know we don't know am i Am I contagious? So, because of, most people think what they're about to share is is good to share, but we don't know. We don't know because we're blinded by our own our own bubble that we're in. Um, so, and Corin, what your point that hell is trying to make us think it's each other, but it's not each other. It's the virus. That's a very good uh, correspondence for falsity and evil in general, which I think gets back to uh, the question about anger towards other people. That all evil according to Swedenborg, is like a virus. It doesn't originate. Even the person who who enacts it, it didn't originate in them. That Really, if you look at it from the angelic perspective, it's like this person caught this horrible disease, which is evil and falsity, that comes out of hell and the person was susceptible to and they were infected. So sure, on a certain level, they're guilty of it, but on another level, they they were victimized into having this foreign lifestyle come into them, just like it's somebody could try to get too close to me and that could be a real problem but it's not them it's the fact that they've got this virus in them the virus is not them you can when you get down with there with a microscope you know like you know we can do a test to say is there this thing that's not you in you even if it's in your cells it doesn't make it you so
3: hey let's the uh, virus is using you to get to other people that's exactly right yeah right Right. and then maybe that's Using. using people to make us
0: Get all hateful and revengeful, not the good zeal kind, because it's trying to infect us as well. Okay, let's let's move on into another question. This is from Chrono Chromey. How long did Swedenborg keep track of his dreams and how did they affect his other spiritual works? We got Swedenborg beginning with well, beginning, it depends on where you want to put that that demarcation, but did that go on forever? What what was Swedenborg's story with dreams and how did that affect his his other spiritual works? Yeah, Jonathan,
3: you want, you're a resident historian, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to take anything away from anybody, but the, um, uh, there's some evidence that he had a dream book. He speaks about dreams and stuff that he had going all the way back to 1736. Um, and so, if you extend that into a spiritual diary from 1736 to 1765, he was recording dreams and visions and experiences like that, at least that we know of, like it was a long time. And 1736 is uh, a good seven years before his real spiritual awakening and vision of Jesus and all that kind of stuff that he went through. Uh, so and it seems 40, to me he
4: was 48. Just to say, for people who don't know, that means he was forty-eight years old when he. started. 40,
3: yes, you add yeah. twelve to whatever the year is in the seventeen yeah. hundreds. That's right. And uh, so, uh, and then in his mid-fifties, he really had the breakthrough, and then kept writing till he was eighty-four. And um, uh, and I think the effect it has on his works is uh, partly that this was where the spiritual world, I think, first. Leaked into his consciousness in a in a different way. He'd had childhood experiences of angels in the garden and things like that. but i I think this really informed his adult mind about correspondences. I think his dreams were teaching him things and and getting him thinking about things in a different way. and uh, so I think that's where at first. I've thought about the fact that in the Bible, Nicodemus is is one of the leaders of the hierarchy at the time and he comes to see Jesus, but he, but he only comes by night You know, and I think there's something sort of showed up for Swedenborg by night He the that he started to visit the Lord by night and bit by bit it crept into his daily life Right and once it
0: was there the, the dreams became really intertwined with everything there are passages in his journal spiritual experiences where he's having a dream but in that dream he's observing a spirit who's in the spiritual world and when he wakes up he talks with the spirit from his waking mind about what they were doing in the dream so it's like <laughs> dreams are, and dreams seem to be able to feature characters that really exist Apart from Swedenborg's mind. So there is a dream filter angels will describe things and it will come down in symbols and Correspondences but dreams became an integral and integrated Part of his whole spirit. You can't really separate him from the spiritual works
1: Yeah, I just read something in his spiritual diary that in which he was in a dream he was dreaming and a spirit near him was dreaming and then Swinborg woke up but the spirit didn't wake up yet and was still in the dream. Just very interesting interplay. And that's a great point, Jonathan, that he was really learning about correspondences in a big way because dreams are just totally in correspondence, the language of correspondence. And I um, think it was so powerful to read his journal of dreams, I don't know what years 47 or somewhere in there. But reading that was just really powerful for me to think about how you can use dreams to help you understand your own inner processes, because that's what he was doing. It was helping him examine himself, like examine his motivations and and pick up on negativity that maybe he wasn't noticing as much in waking life. But his dreams were telling him, oh, here's something to pay attention to, you know, uh, like the black dog you refer to, meaning a negative kind of pride, but a lot of other things in there. And I, I found that really um, fascinating as a tool to help you understand, uh, self-examine and understand your inner processes a little better. And I I did use that during my years of grief and trying to, just the confusion of the different emotions, um, just because of reading the Journal of Dreams, I just was able to kind of see <laughs> Uh, understand a little bit more of my inner processes and get a little bit more perspective or objectivity about them. So, uh, pretty cool
3: stuff. And yeah. this was long before dream analysis was any kind of a thing. Uh, this was not Jung yet. This wasn't, a, you know, uh, this people didn't really do this. I mean, some people say it's a very early example of somebody really documenting and studying their dreams.
0: Yeah, and with cool cool effect. And I do find the documenting dreams really makes you remember them more. As soon as I start journaling any dreams that I have, suddenly every, every night they're vivid and I remember them. I've only done it a few times, but it seems to have that effect. Hey, should we do another question? Let's do it. Why not? We're okay. here. This is from Tom E. Tom E. says, Does Sweet, Emmanuel Swedenborg explain any correspondence between time as we know it on Earth and time or states in the spiritual world? as in in quotes a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day so what so what what's the deal with time going forward what what's it like to slip out of time and into states what how do you how do you explain one in terms of the other does anyone want to talk about time and states and things like that yeah karn
1: yeah i think if i'm understanding the question right. Um, What it makes me think about is that life in the physical world gives us a basis, like uh, an analogy by which we can continue to think about things uh, continuing on into the afterlife. And for instance, uh, an easy one to start with is seasons. Just the experience of seasons and the amount of time they take can give us a, um, a, a sense of cycles that we will continue to go through in the afterlife. And also the experience of a day, like a day we, we experience a physical world day uh, as sort of a progression of we, we get up, we have some energy, we, we get doing something and then we kind of slow down as, as the um, day comes to an end and then we need some rest. And I think in the afterlife, there, there's no linear time, there's no fixed time, but we, we go through that, um, that experience. It's not limited by 24 hours anymore, but we could still go through that experience of um, feeling energized and working on things and doing this, and then having a time where we feel like stopping working and recreating for a while, and then we're, we're um, losing energy and wanna just rest so we will still have that experience and that's called states. You know, I guess if you were trying to match the spiritual world with the physical world, like like Tom is uh, indicating, a, a day could go for a thousand years for someone, you know, for a thousand earth years for somebody in the afterlife or vice versa. So it just goes, as we spoke of in a recent show, uh, it goes as long as, as you feel energized, is how long the day goes. But I think uh, the the matching is that that physical world day gives us um, this uh, experience of of um, a complete <laughs> a complete cycle of uh, usefulness and then starting over and and starting again or something like that.
4: Yeah, and I think um, the one of like the takeaways that is not necessarily what people think of when they think of the afterlife is that Swedenborg makes the point that angels do continue to experience cycles of states, you know, like that, that is a, a, a normal part of the afterlife and is just a part of being alive is to cycle through states of being. And so he describes them going, um, through, you know, times of mourning and that those layers correspond to each other too. He says like the seasons and the times of day, relate to each other like morning and springtime and summer and midday and um but that that's uh so there's i feel like the the value in that for me is that um to remember it in my spiritual life and especially in a time like this where i feel like sometimes when we're in just like the regular you know run of the mill of life um it's easy to sort of get blindsided by like, wait, my state's not the same as it was a little bit ago. Like <laughs> I thought I was having a great day, now something happened or or vice versa. Cause it's like, well, aren't we just meant to you know, sort of linearly keep going? Um, but uh, I feel like, especially when life has slowed down in this sort of quarantine time and everything, it's really to realize like every day is sort of the same and yet it really has a different quality. There is this continual changing of state that's happening and Swimork says that the Lord alone governs even all the changes of state that we go through. You know, every every single shift in our state is carefully governed um, by the Lord. And so there can be that, like, uh, you can sort of give a little more room for even, you know, what we might consider more negative states or the, the sort of slower, um, lower states that we might go through. Um, that that's actually part of a... Um, you know can be part of a healthy spiritual life to fluctuate and have and have those shifts happen
0: that's right even if you're on vacation on the equator it's going to get a little cooler at night so that's good to be, be realistic and <laughs> think that i'm going to go through these sorts of states ding 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 thank Woo-hoo! you Woo-hoo! Joyce for your donation we really appreciate it wow. we're now up to our we're 295 Wow, wow. On the stretch goal of 300. This is way above our record for this. So the cool thing we can do here is set a benchmark that forever now we'll just say, well, this was a great night for fundraising, but not as good as that one time. And you get to be here.
2: <laughs> <in
0: that one. laughs> Thanks so much, Joyce, and everyone who's contributed. If you feel like you'd like to contribute, uh, it's O-T-L-E or off the left eye dot O-T-L-E dot cause dot com. It's in the description Don't listen to what's going out of my mouth. Just look at the description. Okay, Cara, did you want to weigh in on this?
2: Yeah, just maybe one of you other panelists Can clarify or expand but one of the things that has always gotten me atten- my attention in Swedenborg is that he talks about He mentioned somewhere that um a person's stay in the spirit, in the world of spirits before they end up in either heaven or hell lasts about 30 years or something like that. He, he makes some comment about 30 years as how long this intensely spiritual state lasts Karen looks like she has an answer. Um, so that just is what Tom E.'s question makes me think about. Yeah, what is it? What is that? The speed talk about 30 years, but surely who's counting in years in the spiritual world? I don't get it.
1: <laughs> I was just, I was just thinking about that and was maybe going to add a comment. And yeah, if I remember right, it's like no more than 30 years it can mm. be a lot less, but yeah. Why is he talking about years at all? And my guess is that, it just means um, if we think about about the amount of change and progress we might make in 30 years is what just I think of it as. Like it's actually not a fixed set of time and it's not something that you can measure. I know there are widows and widowers that worry about, oh no, it's been 30 years. Is my spouse moving on without me? But I really don't think it's anything like that. I think it's probably just, uh, I, again, like just like we can think about like, how we might change during one day, you know, from energized to now having fun, now resting. How how much do you change in about thirty years? Um, you know, uh, growing and changing and developing. Um, that's my guess that it's not it's not a fixed amount of time. It's sort of that amount of change.
0: Mm-hmm. Approximating that for for those of us who for
2: us naturally minded folks.
0: No offense, a lot of good people naturally minded. Yeah, Jonathan, did you want to add something?
3: Sure, uh, The um, there are a lot of things like that in Swedenborg, even in that example of how long you stay in the world of spirits. In his earlier published theological works is 30 years, later on it goes down to 20 years as the maximum. And so it, even over the course of his writings, that time frame is said to change. He's got spiritual experiences where he sees someone thrown into the corner and he lies there unconscious for half an hour you know there's like there's very steady references to time and uh things like that that come up and so i've often wondered uh yeah what what does that mean i like i like that analysis of what those things mean i think with a day is like a thousand years thousand years like a day and also like that psalm that says um thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it's past and like a watch in the night you carry them away like a flood and all that that um uh i think what scripture is trying to do there is to try to say uh don't think of a day as one little unit i'm talking about a whole cycle try to lift your mind above time say a day is just like a thousand years you know mathematically it's not at all like a thousand years spiritually they really have much the same meaning and day has to do with the whole cycle and i like the idea that that in our cycle like we wake up like our hearts we start with the heart you know that's the first thing in the morning it's the we start in a state of love and then we come into more understanding as the day goes on, you know, that's when the sun is high in the sky and, and, and then it, it starts to wane and we, uh, you know, we're less sharp and, and all that and, and, uh, and the cycle repeats itself. But I, I like that idea of moving from love to truth as we go th- through our day and then uh, ending up in more sort of obscurity on a given point or something and, and then starting over again and the love pulls us forward again. Uh, so those were some thoughts.
0: Yeah, awesome. And it could we could have a tendency to think that time, like we have it here, measured in increments of clock movement, is it's really sort of the more realistic adult thing in this sort of airy fairy states in the afterlife doesn't seem like it has the same doesn't hold the same sort of water but really I think it's the other way around and I have two examples of that one is a concert and another is a conversation so let's say there's a concert and it's a, a big band and everybody like that's there is really excited to see them and I'm backstage I'm managing the concert and I say okay we want to have this be concert be 95 minutes and 30 seconds so get out there the concert goes until the people on stage can feel it, and they know like now is okay. We did it Are we going to do an encore? We'll feel the crowd out. It's a state, you know. It, it begins and it goes, and it has an ending. It's much. You do things by that state. It's it's silly to do them by the clock. Same thing with a conversation. If you're just seeing an old friend for a you haven't seen it in a long time, and let's say you don't have constraints, you say this is so great. Could we get together and talk for thirty nine minutes? Like you you get together and you talk and you feel <laughs> how you feel when you're talking. And then as things, you can feel when it starts to wind down that there it does. It just, it's silly to not go by state in those circumstances. And I think that when we find life on the spiritual side, it's, it's that it feels just more like, no, this is really what life should be back. What we were doing before. That's the, that's the artificial type stuff. So let's move on because we got a, we got more questions to get to, uh, and more answers to give. This is next one is from Sheila Montgomery. God warned Israel not to worship any idols in the Bible because he was a jealous God, and that he'll punish them to the fourth generation. What does that really mean? It was right there we can't you can't take that on face value because first of all, jealousy is not generally something we admire in people. Wow, that person is really jealous; they really are concerned about people worshiping them. that That's something that we usually point out as a flaw in someone. So how could God have this giant flaw? But then also, so, somebody's great, great, great grandchild, in what universe is there any moral value in that? So what, what is it, what's that really mean? Uh, yeah, Jonathan, do you want to start
3: us off? Sure, I have no idea, but um, <laughs> they, and I hope we can do a whole uh, Swedenborg Life live on it at some point it would be really fun, I think. But the, um, I think about the jealous that that would mean, uh, Swedenborg has this great passage where he says that the Lord wants a complete and total submission and not that we be partly our own and partly the Lord's. Uh, and the reason is not actually that he's got a jealousy problem. Uh, it, that's the most selfless love imaginable. We can't even conceive of how selfless God's love is. Um, but it is about the fact that um, we're better off if we love God above all and our neighbor as ourselves and all that sort of thing, you know. And so jealous of other God, like, just really means, hey, don't worship those other things. They're not doing you any good. They're idols that can't speak and so on. And uh, the fourth generation, all I can say about that, I don't remember exactly what it means, but the Bible itself literally contradicts that. In Ezekiel 18, it makes it very clear that uh, if the father sins, the son doesn't pay for that sin, and and if, uh, you know, like if you're good, uh, it doesn't mean your kid is going to be good, and if you're evil, it doesn't mean your kid is going to you know, everybody unto themselves, that the, it's according to each person, and so there's, even in the literal meaning of the Bible, there's contradiction of that fourth generation thing, which seems just on the face of it so unfair like what did i do you know like you're having to pay for sins so long ago you don't even know the person's name anymore uh, but i don't know exactly what it means <laughs> hey thank
0: what? you gloria appreciate it gloria with her donation Woo-hoo. are you all ready this is drumroll. we have gotten to our stretch goal of three hundred, mm-hmm. we started slowly bottom, and now we're going through this whole thing here, and now we end up with a heart full of gratitude for all of you, and uh, promise that we're going to use that to try to bring as much of what we believe is helpful to people. Anytime, if anyone's watching this afterwards, you can still go to otle.cosvox.com and help be part of the engine that powers us to move. Karen, did you want to weigh in more on this question about the fourth generation, et cetera?
1: Yes, because we did do a Swedenborg and Life Live a long time ago, and help me remember the title is the Ten Commandments. False gods, I think. False. Yes. Yes, false gods. Something was false gods. Hmm. And I will try to remember the meanings, but please go watch the show to really get the meanings. <laughs> but um, just in general, um, the warning to not worship other gods is to not because the real God is love, is selfless love. And so that's what we are supposed to worship and follow is is, um, love, love for the whole human race. That's who and what God is. And if we worship anything else, we're getting ourselves into trouble. So if we worship um, reputation or if we worship worry or we worship um, materialistic things, we are going to suffer because we bring problems in ourselves. And the um, the punishment to the fourth generation thing is not being punished by God, but just we bring suffering onto us that kind of multiplies or goes down the generations. I think I had something to do with the false, you know, like the, the, the false perceptions we can have when we're worshiping something temporal or... and. Worshipping just means that's the most important thing. That's what's driving us. That's what we're that's our goal Um, You know, like I just gotta have this happen in my life or else I'm that is worshipping that thing or I got to make sure I'm um, You know get what I want (laughs) Um, that uh, creates these false ideas that that um, have children (laughs) That have offspring of more problems and more false ideas and that's the generations that are just going to get um cursed so that those are things in our minds um and the, the jealous god is just um just uh really you you look underneath that it's just a love that god wants uh wants us to not fall into those things that wants us to be safe in love and not get caught up with all these things and wants to hold us safely away from all those things. So that's as uh the best I can remember at the time. But yeah, go find that show Ten Commandments, False God. Ten Commandments Explained, False Gods. Yeah, I think I think it was um
4: False Gods, the mystery of the Ten Commandments Explained or something. I think mystery is in the title, but and I'm, I'm remembering it because I was so struck by this. And I remember Karen, you were the one who was doing research on the show and you were talking to me about what you had found. And so it's still fresh in my mind because <laughs> I was like, wow. And so the, the third and fourth, it says to so the third and fourth generations of those that hate me. And there was that whole numerical symbology in that of the third, I think being truth and the, I mean, falsity and the fourth being evil. So there was that multiplication of the false ideas that have that obviously have their connected evil and that it just you know yeah like creates that generational um mess of like they spawn (laughs) in our in our minds um and yet it continues and said um but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments and i and you pointed out that the thousands is thousands of generations so just this like you know, okay, if you, if you turn away from love, and you serve these other gods, it's going to really throw you off for a while, you know, like, I can't help it, It, you're going to just kind of get caught up in a web of negative thoughts. And, you know, it it could be a bit of a struggle. But, you know, turn back to me, you know, and so that the promise is that love and truth that's just going to multiply, you know, just exponentially to just countless generations when we when we do root into that, into that love. Um, so that was a great message.
1: <laughs> awesome, thank you for remembering. <laughs>
0: cool commentary on the, ex- the expansiveness of goodness and truth versus evil and falsity. If we say, yeah, there's third and fourth generations down that path, but then the, the thousands of generations that open up when we're going towards the love and the truth, uh, and we- ding, 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 ding. <laughs> And this is thank you to EGLE. I'm going to say Egla. I don't know why we have me butchering everyone's name up here, but the the love is real. Thank you so much for your contribution. We uh, have a total now of nine donors and three of you are brand new. So thank you so much. Welcome to the Off the Left Eye Donation Club. Thank super you. exclusive club uh so what this whole segment that we're in right now is brought to us courtesy of donations so i was thinking what we want to do is finish this one out but then maybe let's let's do a little rapid fire here at the end see if, if we can't get people a good number of questions uh as we round up these last 10 minutes Did, was somebody about to say something Oh, then let's go right now. What am I talking about? Rapid fire and then like not doing anything. Okay, this next one. <laughs> Dave Collins, I wonder, can we hear heal our whole past ancestry? Swedenborg talks about heredity and how hereditary evil is passed down generation to generation. That's why we find ourselves with negative tendencies. Does Swedenborg says anything about us being able to go back and do some, some good. Uh Jonathan.
3: I, everybody, you know, all the ancestors have their own free will and their own understanding. So there's nothing you can do that would actually sort of control things for all of them. But I think you can have a healing effect. You can have a healing presence. And I do believe part of what we're doing here in this world is helping to heal stuff that has been hanging around in our family. So as you go through that repentance process, it gets cleared up. That's it. Very very good. Do we we do one person per question and just like
0: okay if anyone really wants to do it let me know otherwise we'll we'll keep going we'll do the next one this is pretty minimal. how can i be a more genuine authentic good person with unselfish intentions and true caring awesome love for others can you give me the can you give me the the quick explanation how do we yeah. get there does anyone have any tips it sounds like the kind of person we all want to be yeah carl do you want to start off
2: uh i think it's just stop being the opposite of that and
4: picking <laughs> picking one little thing. That's something else Swedenborg, you know, that Swedenborg writes is just pick one one thing. We we can't fight off the whole uh, host of hell. You know, it's the Lord that makes the changes in us, but we can pick, um, examine ourselves and pick one thing. And then we know that that's starting this cascade of change in our spirit.
3: Be more like Kara was my short answer.
0: I, let's set realistic goals, please. <laughs> <laughs> we want people feeling shame that they can't live up to the Carson. So it's a, it's a, and to expand on what Kara said, Swedenborg talks about the more that we distance ourselves from hatred, the more we love kindness. That, that is part of how you get a sense of what these things are. All right, let's go. The next one, this is from our friend, Matt Klein. Swedenborg reports that deeper meaning is not spoken plainly to protect truth. We talked about that just recently in a show. Yet we have many Christian denominations that still have different views and beliefs. Has it been misused anyway? So even, even the external sense is is able to be twisted around. You know, are, are we getting some of the things we're trying to prevent against happening? Uh, yeah, Karen, do you wanna start?
1: I'd say it's um, good to remember that, because a lot of damage has been done by misunderstanding and misusing the literal sense of the Bible. And yet what I learned from Swedenborg is, um, it would be much worse. It it, it can, uh, there are deeper misuses that would be much worse, much more damaging to people on a, um, a longer term, like (laughs) into the afterlife sort of thing than temporarily misunderstanding in this world. And so, yes, the Bible has been Misused a lot, but on the most external level and if you think about The more somebody knows about the inner workings of something the more damage they can do think of people who know how to hack into zoom (laughs) Meetings or something like the more you know about the inner workings the more damage you can do and so actually um, the protection is to keep people with evil intentions from knowing the deeper inner workings because more damage could be done because there's a, this amazing network of connection between the worlds involved in the Bible and I know um, Swedenborg has talked about like actually like dark magic and things that he witnessed in the spiritual world as as People were trying to figure that out the deeper meanings and to actually affect Society good societies of good people through knowing deeper meaning of the, the Bible and miss and misusing that um, So there really is this whole realm that we could barely comprehend of how The inner meaning could be twisted because it's this essential um, Connection and if it were to be uh, Corrupted there'd be huge trouble in the whole network So (laughs) it's better that the like uh, jonathan used this uh, analogy of a bumper on a car It's better that that bumper the outer literal sense gets banged around and misused um, that rather than the inner meaning which is being protected
0: totally and it allows the truth to be news to you if you don't already know it i think about even in an external sense if there's people who I, i've seem to have observed who have the teaching of jesus christ like they, they they're christians and they've read the bible and are yet are acting in a way it seems really harmful and counter to Jesus's teachings about love. You can't say like, well, what about Jesus? Can I teach you about Jesus? Cause they feel like I already know it and I'm, I'm not going to be changed by that. So if you feel, if you've got a certain way you're living and you feel like I've, I already know that truth, even if you maybe don't understand it all the way, you can't be liberated by that truth. So I keep in the inner truth safe. Those truths can, can then be news to the people. Uh, so they're not locked into some kind of, you know, anti-truth stance on those things. Okay, let's go to the next one. This is from MF. When met on the other side, will I be met by anyone that hurt me when they were here? And if yes, why? Do we have to,
3: you know, get run into people that we maybe do or don't want to? Yeah, Jonathan. I I imagine it's quite individual, but I think if there's any use for it, it will happen. Like if it's useful for the other person to to see themselves in a different light, if it's useful for you to get a different perspective or something. I do think when we go to the other side, we do work a lot of these things out. And I think it's not just a rehash or something, but you both get lifted up and you're able to see it from a different perspective. Maybe the other person doesn't want to see the other perspective or something like that. But still, there if there's a use and there's a benefit, um, that that can happen.
2: And I imagine it'll be safe. It'll be
1: perfectly safe. Yeah, I was gonna add, if if it would not be useful and if it would only be upsetting, then it won't happen. (laughs) It would just be, it will be very safe. It'll be um, watched over by God and only if some good can come out of it.
0: And definitely in a couple of accounts of people meeting up with people who had harmed them, even people who had Mm -hmm. murdered them, in the life of Earth. It's always the person who had done the harmful thing that comes out of that experience shaken. The person who had the evil done to them is always seems very protected and very you know, not not bothered by the whole thing. Okay. Uh, then this one is Brenda Whaley who says, I lost my twin brother when we were two months. Do you think you can have a connection of the twin thing still?
1: I think it's, isn't that, oh, sorry, it is
0: Brenda Whaley. Um,
1: Yeah, I really wonder about that.
4: Um, I I don't know if I have an answer. I'll be, I'll, I want to hear what other people have to say, but I'll just sort of share in the wondering that I really think that that's a fascinating thing to, to think about, Um, you know, that there must, I imagine there's some kind of spiritual affinity that happens, you know, just like there is in in families some of the time, but it's not all the time. So it's like, how, how does that play out? But, um, you know, I do think that there's something to be said that we can, I think we can trust our intuition on this oftentimes. And so it's like, if you have a sense of that connection and it feels like deep that I believe that that you can trust that sense that that's, um, true, that you have a spiritual connection still with your, with your brother. And I think that that's sort of one of the really special things is like the, the, the family that we never got to meet or get to know in this life, we, those are sort of some of the relationships that I'm you know, really excited about. Um, you know, it's getting to meet these new people that you will feel a connection with um, in the afterlife.
0: I would think if, you've, if there's a connection between twins that, are, that both are living in this world, the connection has gotta be spiritual, not physical, because the physical isn't alive on its own, it's just it's just material. the The part that can feel it, something like a connection is spiritual. So I would think, if you know, your spirits are still just as close, you know, as, as they were. Um, but yeah, I think I'm with Chelsea. And like, I really think, I hope so. But uh, who knows?
1: Well, there's that beautiful story of the brother who died as a baby and uh, meeting the the his brother who died as a adult and. That was incredible reunion. And so you would think, <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe even with twins, it might, that shared time in the womb, it might be even stronger.
0: Let's end with one last question because we're getting right to the end of our time. Some people would say we're at the end of our time, but we <laughs> are so appreciative of all the support people have given us that we just want to do one last one. This is from Matthew Bush. He says, Swedenborg mentions, quote, magic coming into being Let's end on a weird Swedenborg one, shall we? When, when explaining the inner meaning of Genesis 12. What
3: kind of magic is he talking about?
0: And I think it was magic was mentioned just earlier in this episode. But yeah, Jonathan, do you want to kick us off there?
3: Sure. I, I think it's the, <clears throat> there was a more of a knowledge of correspondences back then. And I think it was the abuse of correspondences in order to do harm to people, which was eventually shut down. It, it wasn't like sleight of hand or card tricks or something like that. I I think it was a real sort of, I don't know what you call it, voodoo or something, but you know, use of correspondences in order to to do harm.
1: Yeah, that's the kind of magic that Swedenborg talks about a lot, using correspondences for self-centered purposes.
0: We don't have to go quick on this one, if anybody wants to yeah. I,
4: I just need to be reminded what Genesis 12 is. <laughs> I'm like, I, I must have a word in reach here.
0: <laughs> Let's look it up. Does anyone, have a, does anyone have a book on hand? I mean, maybe
4: this is Karen's getting want. it. I
0: have,
3: I have no books. I have no
0: books. <laughs> They're out of reach. They're just like spines glued onto cloth. <laughs> really, really good for show.
4: Show.
0: While you're doing that, I want to say thank you. What? <laughs> this is from Suzanne. And I want to just at the end here, give a huge thanks to all of our donors as we're looking up what Genesis 12 is. Um, So yeah, we have raised $337 from 10 donors, four new donors. You made this whole sheet green. I wish (laughs) it did. I I never in my wildest dreams would have thought I would be coloring that much. (laughs) So thank you to all the donors who, who contributed uh, and, and may, and this is just a microcosm of how the entirety of off the left eye could never have happened if people hadn't contributed in the first place. So thanks so much for doing it. Uh, Karin, do, do you have some Genesis news for us?
1: Well, Matthew, I think we'll have to study this and come back because it's, it's the story of a- Abram being called by, by Jehovah to come out of his land and go to a new land, the land of Canaan, and then, uh, and then it involves um, the plagues coming on. Um, you know when, what is the king here? <laughs> oh, Pharaoh uh, thinks takes uh, Abram's wife, and then um, the plagues come down on him. So it might have something to do with that, mm-hmm. but I don't. I don't know where the magic comes in. Do you, okay. Jason? yeah does um, he doesn't he
4: we'll have to research him. Yeah, but he does talk about um the that knowledge of correspondences being particularly in the egyptian um yes like in in egypt and having something to do with that knowledge and oh
1: maybe it was because pharaoh realized the plagues came and that it meant he had done something wrong because he had that kind of knowledge yeah,
3: exodus Exodus certainly has those sorcerers and magicians who are doing what Moses does and all that stuff but I forget when that started.
0: This is a good place to end because it shows <laughs> that the adventures never end. When you're diving into the the world that that we're exploring here on this channel, it's uh, there's we, we are all still learning, but also there's just always another thing to add to it and to plug it in. And just like how Swedenborg describes heaven, every piece makes the pieces around it stronger. So everything we learn, even when we're going through and answering these questions helps enliven all of our understanding of how the whole thing works. Hopefully you all watching had a similar experience. Uh, let's, let's um, you guys all wanna say goodbye to the people. Thanks so much to the whole panel. Thank you everyone. Uh, and I want to say, as we go here, two things, like and subscribe, if you don't mind. That will be really, that's another way you can support uh, the, the that. And that's just really just about getting the channel out to people that helps us with that. And speaking of the adventures never ending, after this, the next Monday, coming up, we do our next episode of Swedenborg and Life and our series on the divine design. It's going to be super exciting. Don't miss it. It's called The Pattern of God Has Been Built into the universe looking forward to talking through all that with all of you thanks for making this fun thanks panel it was great having you here thanks everybody
4: uh, thanks for all your great
0: questions thank you you.